coming up on the Magnificently Huge podcast. Heathers versus Mean Girls. It's a Snarkfest Thunderdome. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey, listener, welcome. It's episode 154 of the Magnificent Huge Podcast. This is Chris. This week, along with Eric and Brian, we're going to dive right into, well, it's a Snarkfest Thunderdome. Uh, it's Heathers versus Mean Girls. So, yeah, it's two uh, comedies about cliques in high school. One is pitch, venomous, dark, black, uh, and the other one's kind of less so. Uh, but both are well-regarded and quoted all the time by various generations. Uh, so we're going to talk about it. A, because Brian and I had never seen Mean Girls before this, and we thought it was an opportunity to actually catch up to the culture, finally, know what all those memes and things are about. You go, Coco. It's so fetch, that sort of thing. B, uh, Mean Girls is not Heathers, and Heathers is one of those movies that's so near and dear to our hearts. Uh, we all saw it when it first came out in 1989, and we've been quoting it for three decades. It's just one of the best movies about high school ever made. If you like your satire with a hard edge, Heathers is your movie. And we love it, and we're going to talk about how that infected our perception of Mean Girls, who only Eric had seen and actually enjoys, which, you know, not to say that's wrong, but uh, Brian and I are sort of befuddled. And thus we have a conversation. So basically it's three middle-aged men talking about high school girl movies. So if you like what you hear, send us an email, magnificentlyhugegmail.com, especially if you're a younger viewer and you want to tell us how much you like Mean Girls and what we got wrong. That's, we would love that. Uh, you can also reach out to us on Twitter, at MagHuge, Facebook, Magnificent Huge Podcast, or even on Instagram, Magnificent Huge Podcast. Uh, like our page, follow along, share us around with your friends and family, and leave us comments. We love it. It's good stuff. And then you can also head over to our website, maghuge.com, we got uh, show links and notes and things like that, and we thank you in advance. So we'll just dump right into the show. Have fun, and uh, see you later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. No. No. Uh, uh, well, you know, ha- happy Rosh Hashanah weekend, yeah, I guess. Uh, eh, I'm, I'm just, I'm afraid, I don't even want to say it, and I'm afraid one of you two guys is going to say it. Uh... I don't want to say it. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, even, I don't even want to talk about it. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. Let's not. We, we record the podcast <laughs> about a week before it comes out. Trust me, if you're listening to it, think about a week ago and try to figure out why we're all nine just like, twenty twenty is the date yeah. of this recording. Google it. Uh, yeah, I'm not talking about but, it. But it's this too is terrifying. a podcast about movies, movies, and pop fun, and happiness, yeah. and things, and yeah, escapism, so, escapism. Yeah. We have. We have a we have a, a segment that we talk about what we've been doing the last week, and it's called the fresh shit. <laughs> this shit is fresh. By the way, this is Chris. Hello. Oh, hey, Chris. I'm Brian. I'm Eric. Hi. Together. Have you got any fresh? <laughs> was it, did we do the bumper again? I can't. I can't tell. Sure. Do the bumper. Fresh hit. Yay! <laughs> this shit is fresh. Do you want uh, a TV thing or do you want a movie thing? I want a movie thing. I want okay. it. I need it. God damn it. Movie. Okay. You're going to regret it, but okay. <laughs> uh, so I randomly just happened across while scrolling through the bejesus number of movies that are on Amazon Prime. Uh, one of the lesser Schwarzenegger flicks from the 80s uh, called Raw Deal. Which oh, is I knew, as soon as Jim you said Lester Schwarzenegger, I yeah. knew you were going there. <laughs> well, I mean, it's literally like like the primo, the primo not good Schwarzenegger. No, no, no. It's Jim Belushi is the other one. Raw Deal yeah, is right. the, he wasn't quite famous yet, but this is the one where it was like, oh, the Terminator guy. Yeah. Raw Deal's the one he made between uh, Commando and Predator. Yeah. It's, it's one of those and, it's one of those movies that I didn't see kind of like Remo Williams yeah. because you know it didn't appeal to me at the time 
So how does it hold up, Chris? Uh, it doesn't. It's just, it's so <laughs> 80s. Uh, it's distinctive solely to me because it's his worst movie, uh, but it also has his best, like, quip that still to this day makes me laugh every time I say it. Because it's like, it starts out, he's a disgraced FBI agent who's now a sheriff in some small town uh, doing his thing, and his marriage is falling apart. And in the beginning, there's a thing where he comes home and his wife is drunk, like drinking scotch in the kitchen, and she's making a cake. Uh, and they have like a marital tiff. <laughs> Uh, and then at one point she ends up like throwing the cake at him, but his, qu- his quip is, you shouldn't drink and bake. You should not drink and bake. <laughs> <laughs> and it Jesus just, Christ, really? Yeah, it's so left of center and it just makes me laugh every time I see it because it's like, what in the fuck is this? That's great. Uh, yeah. Wow. So it's his best line in his worst movie for me. But basically he gets called back into action by his former superior at the FBI to go undercover and destroy the mob. Uh, and the, the handler is played by Darren McGavin, the dad from Christmas story, Kolchak. <laughs> uh, and it's like the typical plot thing. It's like, he's the only one that knows his true identity. Uh, and then I'm undercover. You, you don't yeah. notice me. I'm enormous, <laughs> yeah, but I sound so, normal. <laughs> yeah. And so like, like they fake his death and then he's got to go undercover uh, so he infiltrates the, the mob by basically destroying one of their illicit gambling dens, uh, and then through like machismo and bravado ends up getting a job as one of their like enforcer types, uh, working with Robert Davi. Uh, and it's just like, it, it, like the eighties set design, eighties wardrobe. It's just fucking awful from start to finish. Uh, so I don't want to spoil it for you, but he eventually takes down the mob. So there you have it. Does Joel Silver have anything to do with this particular movie? No, no. Uh, I think. Wait, wait. You're saying by the end, Schwarzenegger wins? I I know. Shocking, right? Shocking. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, the most interesting thing about the production on this was I think, uh, Dino De Laurentiis produced it, uh, because he needed to get mm-hmm. some cash infusion so that he could keep his rights to Total Recall. But Raw Deal came out and it just tanked. And so he had to sell his rights to Total Recall to Carol Co., uh, who ended up casting oh, Schwarzenegger. Oh, so he got a Raw Deal. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, what, are, what are your guys' favorite uh, uh, Schwarzenegger one-liners? Uh, well, a- apart from you shouldn't drink and bake. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's yours, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's probably my all-time favorite. Uh, pretty much anything he says in Commando is yeah. uh, up there in top five for sure. You're a funny guy, Sally. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. But Sally, when I promised to kill you last... That's what made you... You did! I lied. My, my all-time uh, favorite is... I mean, which ends you up could literally in almost everyone. Yeah, you could literally pick one from every movie. Like Predator, it's they're green braids, they're skinned alive, uh, or get to the chopper. That's the big get one. Down, yeah, look you out! Guys, <laughs> look out! You guys are covering all the all the best ones. Yeah. You know, so I'll just I'll go with that. Uh, well, and then <laughs> well, uh, consider that a divorce. Yeah. From uh, Total Recall. There you go. Consider that a divorce. I remember I remember working at a movie theater when that was in theaters, and when he said that, just all the dudes like applaud and scream, I hate women! <laughs> yeah. Well, don't forget also the really tasteless one uh, from Kindergarten Cop. It's not a tumor! Because <laughs> the little kid's like, it's not a tumor. When I worked at Blockbuster, we would play Kindergarten Cop all the time just so we could hear him go, it's not a tumor! <laughs> So I remember you like when that came out going, go ahead, you tell him you didn't do your homework because I'm scary and I'll murder you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I haven't seen it since then, probably, but damn, that's just stuck. Uh, so yeah, raw deal. Uh, not good. Don't watch it. But some for some reason, I did. <laughs> like the action's not even good. It's really anemic. <laughs> like there's a high body count, but low reward. You know what I mean? It's just mm. awful. Um, so yeah, and then apart from that, I I'm almost finished with the second season of Umbrella Academy. 
which I knew okay. you had been watching, Brian. How, uh, how are you? How are you feeling about it? Uh I'm I'm lukewarm to it. It's got moments I'm that I like, and I I enjoy their character dynamic. But at the same time, the whole plot of the second season is that there's another Armageddon that has followed them through time that they have to stop and they're on a clock like six days to stop it in like 1963 before Kennedy gets shot and then they spend literally nine episodes just dragging their feet (laughs) like there's no Armageddon coming it's like when are you guys going to actually treat this like there's something that you need to get done it's just not happening if you're getting towards the end actually I think the Armageddon thing makes more sense in the second season in general I like the second season better than the first season uh, um, I just I, I won't pretend they stick the landing. But, no, um, I've got one episode left, so that's where okay, I. Okay, so that's you know what's up. Yeah, yeah. So that <laughs> I've been not watching the boys because I, it's it's rolling out, but I'm waiting for the episodes to be yeah. available so I can binge it. But I've I've seen the first the boys two of that and one. the Umbrella Academy keep coming out around the same time, and yeah. it's like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so so yeah, I mean it's good. I still like the first season better just because it's it, organically it f- it flows better. Uh hmm. this one it just okay. feels like they're trying to shoehorn too much in around their really complicated like weird timeline time travel plot thing. Uh mm-hmm. and they're just getting a little too cute with it. Um but I watch it because of the characters. The strength of their dynamic is very fun to me. Uh, so it's good to watch. I mean, five is awesome. Yeah. The kid who plays five is awesome, and the the burnout Klaus uh, is way better this yeah. season. I love the, the yeah. Season. Well, I love the fact that when they sh- they shoot back in time at the end of the first season, they wind up scattered across a couple of years in the early '60s as they come through the time portal. And I love that mm-hmm. Klaus <laughs> ends up being like a cult leader, <laughs> yeah. and and there's like a whole thing with that. And, uh, and and all of his things that he says to his flock are just song lyrics from yeah. the future. Don't go chasing um, waterfalls. Yeah. <laughs> like that kind of <laughs> shit. So it's fun. Uh, but every time they play a pop song, it makes me think of you, Brian, because they're so no, not. They're all. Yeah. They're all out of time. Yeah. Like, but here's it. Yeah. But here's the thing is that uh, from from my perspective, it's these are all characters from the future now in the '60s, and so you don't really have to adhere to any sort of it needs to be of that time for this montage Ooh, or this fight scene. Uh, well done, because you know they're modern people; they can just, they can listen to whatever they want. So it fits to a certain degree for me. But I'll, I'll accept it. That's yeah. a good a- excuse. I'll I mean, it. in any other show, I would go fuck you, but yeah, this one I'm gonna let it go. Uh, so it's fun. And then, yeah, the boys is next. Uh, so we'll see how that one rolls. So that's how I've been spending my time. Thank you very much for coming to my Ted talk. <laughs> Sweet. Um, Eric, you want to go or you want me to go? I totally want to go. Uh, go. I, and, and you know what? I don't care about the umbrella Academy at all, but that's fine. You just made me think You're missing of a, nothing. a great idea for either a show or a movie, uh, called time travel sucks. And yeah. the first scene is the scientist who tests his time travel device and he pops away and he pops back and he says, it works. And he looks around and the entire world is like filled with just it's chaotic nonsense and he can't figure out what's wrong. And the thing is, he came back. It worked. He uh, 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 marketed it didn't keep us keep it a secret so now everyone can travel to any time they want and everybody is fucking up every everything is just all at once fucked up (laughs) and there's like a line of people trying to beat the last guy who tried to beat mozart you know and and everything is just constantly changing because everybody is paying to get in and and be somebody else from the past so like the entire past is just nonsense and horrible and yeah time travel bad idea yeah well for me it's i love how uh sometimes you get the screenwriters who do the thing where the characters talk about hey we we should go back in time and kill hitler and just save everybody the trouble but nobody ever does it and then i can't remember what season it was with doctor who during the matt smith years when they actually did an episode calling let's kill hitler and that was like (laughs) the basis i was like genius they finally did it and they did it on doctor who thank you (laughs) you've got a time machine i've got a gun what the hell Let's kill Hitler. 
Oh, wait, I want to tie that back to, to the Umbrella Academy because one of the characters is like really motivated to, to save Kennedy. And it's yeah. like, why? why? You know you're going to fuck up the timeline if you do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, uh, Gene Roddenberry for Star Trek's two, three, four, and yeah, two, three, and four. He was out of it by five. He kept pitching the idea of them going back in time. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Klingons uh, save Kennedy from being assassinated, which throws the whole politic off so that the federation doesn't happen so they get conquered by the klingon empire <laughs> so the enterprise has to go back in time and ensure that kennedy dies and, and <laughs> the climax is always spock on the grassy knoll with a rifle shooting kennedy <laughs> nice yeah back brilliant in time. No. <laughs> uh, wow okay. okay so wait what show are we talking we haven't even gotten to what yeah, no 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 show. I, was, yeah. I was doing what little commentary i could on what you were talking about because i got no yeah. connection yeah. okay uh <laughs> so i finished legion uh season three which is the last season yeah, i you think went it was way f- you surpassed me by far yeah it was i think it was very well done it was well written it was well executed and i'm so angry at uh the conclusion this thing comes to because <laughs> he's like he's about to kill Farouk, the, the the main main bad guy he's been wanting to kill the whole time and then his dad charles xavier shows up and says no come on don't do that and, oh okay and then they you know undo time and then that legion never happened and it ends with a baby who's now going to be raised well and everything will be okay and i'm like oh oh so absolutely everything in the show has no consequence (laughs) yeah that's what it sounds like and i was i like my wife was laughing because i was scowling at the tv going no fuck you revenge and um yes yeah so if they're thinking of ever doing anything else with legion something else bad has to happen to that baby um, yeah, maybe he could I go back that, in time and kill Hitler. Well, I know that they wrote it so that it could be woven into the new mutants if they ever want to. It's like it was designed to mm-hmm. be an add-on to that that whole universe. But like I said, it was very That's well done. Hold our breath for that. Yeah. It was very well done. It was very smart. Uh, it was not a comic book show at all. Uh, right. I highly recommend it. But I am still angry at the sort of, uh, no, don't be an asshole kind of ending, because <laughs> I'm an asshole, and I wanted that, you know? Wow. I'm surprised you didn't watch Ratchet yet. I am gearing up. See, that's the thing. We okay. were going to finish Legion. really negative on Ratchet. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I've decided everything that um, uh, Ryan, uh, oh, I can't say his, think of his name. What's his face? The guy who makes that shit. Um, yeah. Whose name will come to me? The uh, Glee guy. Yeah, the Glee guy. Everything he does wants to be uh, um, uh, mommy dearest. Everything he does is some element of mommy dearest. That period of Hollywood uh, uh, feud with Joan Crawford. Yeah. This it's like everything is just tangentially mommy dearest. If he ever actually does. An adaptation of Mommy Dearest, I think the universe will implode because he's just <laughs> almost always doing that. Not talking about any or, of these things. Or or maybe like <laughs> well, I guess he did already did sort of the tangent of whatever happened to baby Jane. So yeah. Okay. Well yeah, feud. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh so oh yeah, go ahead. No, you're good. Okay. Um uh I I I've I've watched uh the first season of and then a couple of episodes into the second season of The Next Generation. I always sort of jump around TNG, but I decided, you know what? I gotta, I gotta watch. You made it through season one. Congratulations. <laughs> season, here's the thing. Reunion at Farpoint and the ep- the racist episode that, that comes right after that are horrible, right? If you can yeah. get through those, it's actually very good that first season. I forgot how good it was. That, there's, that- there's like the retreads of old, um, you know classic they get out of that yeah early on they they get past that pretty quickly but all of the writers on tng were the writers of the original show so they had to like basically get rid of all of the ideas they had had for the original series right yeah the the conspiracy episode they had was cool yeah um that's the one where they end up blowing up some dude's head because he had a bug in him yeah. um you know there was I, one I, um, 
There was one, well, oh, well, uh, Armus. The Armus episode is great. He's probably one of the best bad guys in Star Trek ever because he is dedicated to being horrible. He is the, the, <laughs> he is, he is, he is the infusion of all things horrible. But, um, no, there's one where they're on the, the planet that sells weapons where everyone's dead. And so it's all oh, automated. Yeah. And, fun. Yeah, he's talking to an apparition of somebody he knows that's just like a computer simulation that doesn't know anything. <laughs> he says to him, so what ship are you on now? The Lollipop. Just messing with him. The Lollipop? Yeah, it's a good ship. I, I, I thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> just just little bits in there. It's it's well done, but it's, you know, first season, It's not they're not all quite friends yet. Well, um, honestly, it's hit and miss. Yeah, first it's- season is probably why I don't like tng and didn't continue watching because i I think i got into the first few episodes and i was like oh this is just not but i'm telling you the first season is very good okay i mean it is very good it's and 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 it's actually fun watching them sort of turn into who they're going to turn into if that makes sense are you watching the remastered ones where they redid the the compositing and the effects for some of the episodes or i don't think so they don't look better Okay, I am. Um, I don't. I don't realize. I guess you're watching it on Netflix or whatever. Uh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't know what they're showing there. Yeah. Anyway, like the one where they get <laughs> trapped in the hole in space, where they, uh, uh, it's like that's that's the beginning of season two. I didn't realize how many really solid episodes were season two. I see Doctor yeah, Pulaski season- all over them. Season two is uh, is where the show really hits its stride. Yeah, um, yeah, a lot of classic episodes in season two. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm basically I'm down with TNG again. Um, and as a side note, I'm still playing. You down with TNG? You know me. Yeah, I'm still playing that uh, Star Trek Timelines, and uh, I'm just, I'm just saying this as a, a not so humble brag. There's a, um, an event going on right now. It's a space battle event. There's like 200,000 competitors, and right now I'm in 300th place. So, bam. Um, nice. Yes, so that's my Star Trek thing. Play Timelines, it's fun. Um, and finally, The Boys. I have been watching The Boys. I mm. want to see them as they come out. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I keep thinking, n- most shows were not meant to be viewed this way. And so if The Boys is waiting a week to release, you know, each episode, maybe there's a reason. So I'm, I'm, I'm basically okay. doing yeah. an experiment to see. Well, I like if, you think. Do you think there is a reason? Are you, are you getting something good out of that? I am. I mean, like when I finish an episode, I get a week to think about what just happened, and it yeah. keeps playing in my mind. I keep thinking I think- about the the last episode. I'm not going to tell you anything that happens because there's a lot of twists yeah. and turns should, in season should we two just do a show about the boys season two once we've all watched it i think so maybe okay, that'll be like i think we should three, probably three do a the yeah. boys season one before that no yeah, yeah. fair enough boys uh, spoiler cast coming soon to the magnificently huge podcast subscribe so you don't yeah. miss it but i think the reason awesome they're, show they're particularly doing... for this age of avengers yeah but I think the reason they're doing the once a week is because they want to sort of have people uh, the opportunity to gel with it. And it's yeah. sort of like the water cooler thing. It's like when you binge them all at once, mm. you kind of lose the potency of episode right. per episode. And I think that's what they're going for. But what I like is okay. that so many fans have turned on them or leaving nasty reviews. I'm like, how dare you withhold the show that I want to watch all at the same time? And it's like, yeah. so you're basically shitting on the show that you like because they won't give you every single episode all at once. It's like, what are you? Yeah. So these and they have explode when the Mandalorian returns because yeah. they do that. Too. And they have the opportunity to do that. They're just, you know, that they chose to run them once a week means yeah. it was written to be seen once a week. I can binge it, and when it when it's done, I can binge it any time I want to for the rest of my life. Yeah, but remember as long as this is the only time it's going to be week to week, I want to I want to see if that helps, and I think it does. Remember when TV shows were once a week and you couldn't even watch them again until they ran them again? Remember Mm, that? If they did, 
This, and that you, know. you had to set your 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 alarm. I got to yeah. be at the TV at seven so that I can watch TJ Hooker because that's, that's it's not on streaming, whatever that yeah. is. I got to watch Shatner roll across a car hood. I loved TJ Hooker. I was well, who did? I was addicted to a TJ Hooker, <laughs> mostly because my parents would go to ASU football games and allowed me not to go. Well, you know, it had, it had Heather Locklear as well. Can't go wrong there. But also, William Shatner just had this gravitas that, as a junior high kid, I believed. He's a grown-up, and he's in charge. Yeah. Okay. That's all I got. All right. So, um, I've been watching a lot of things that aren't worth mentioning. I've been, I've been just really trying to sort of, like, you know, acknowledge my, my anxiety and depression and just watch really just surface level, non-challenging, non-upsetting things. Cause I've, there's plenty of that in, in reality. Yeah. Go back a little um, bit and we'll talk about raw deal. Remember that? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I'm still watching man seeking woman, which is great. I'm still watching Angie Tribeca, which is funny. Um, but, uh, the stuff I'm going to talk about this week, couple things uh so super mario 3d all-stars was released on friday um super mario 3d all-stars is nintendo releasing a collection of super mario 64 super mario sunshine and super mario galaxy for the switch of all those yeah and they and they did this thing where they're they're saying it's only for sale until the end of march which just happens to be the end of nintendo's fiscal year funny that um so i had ordered it and my wife was like you have all those games just (laughs) don't take it out of the wrapping and and leave it in the box and i'm like yeah you got a point so I did that, and then I bought it digitally anyway, because I have a problem. Uh, <laughs> the first step is admitting it, Brian. It's okay. Uh, yeah, I have a problem. So I'm playing through these games again, and, you know, it's interesting because I have been doing a lot of, hey, I want to find me a video game to play, and just most modern games just don't get their hooks into me because you have, like, it's like it doesn't get good till you get to hour 15, and I'm like, if I'm not finished by hour 15, fuck your game. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so so it's been a real eye-opener to me to be revisiting, like, the Tony Hawk 1 and 2 and having a great time, and then Mario 64, I'm already, like, halfway back to uh, 120 stars on Mario 64. I'm having a great 20, time. It's been 20 years since I played uh, Mario Sunshine, and I still want to mm-hmm. take a vacation to Delfino Island. I think everything about that that game is so beautiful and so engaging. I, I, yeah, I was sad when it was over. I wanted to stay there. Yeah. And Galaxy is even better. Galaxy is one of the best video games. Um, so, so I've been playing this. Uh, they've, you know, they've made some tweaks to the graphics in Mario 64, uh, and they're clearly gearing it towards the portable screen. This is really the handheld portable version of these games. Um, good stuff. Definitely worth your time if you haven't played these games before. If you have and it's been a long time, yeah, some old friends. Spend some time. So that's been fun. And then the other thing, which I'm going to tie into our main topic this week, but uh, I watched the final, final finale of Kimmy Schmidt, Kimmy versus the Reverend, which is on Netflix. And it's one of these Bandersnatch things where it's choose your own adventure, but it's I Kimmy tried Schmidt. that and it was so unfunny. It, yeah, I mean, Kimmy Schmidt had kind of outstayed its welcome. This is better than the last season of Kimmy Schmidt, but it's still, you know, what it is. Uh, the thing is that Bandersnatch worked because ultimately Bandersnatch thematically was about the illusion of choice and the manipulation of the designers on the audience and realizing that it was being done to you while you were yeah. watching Bandersnatch. This is just characters come on and yell at you for te- at telling the characters to get out of character. Uh, <laughs> when you make a, when you make a a decision that that you know is the wrong decision or whatever, and then there's really no way to. I mean, you can go back down the tree to previous decisions, but then if you pick the other fork, you like prune the other things that you could have also gone to see the other options. 
And so it forces you to like watch a whole bunch of content if you wanted to see the other options. And it's like, nope, not doing that. Um, I will say this though, John Hamm is awesome in this. He comes back as the Reverend, and he's sort of the male version of Kimmy Schmidt in that sense. And he's 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 a lot of fun. And there's a bit where there are several different ways you can kill John Hamm's character. And if you pick all of them, then the thing that, that talks to you is John Hamm in hell telling you, hey, welcome to hell, you know, evil person. Uh, and he's joined by, there's a, there's a puppet from a previous season that doesn't wear pants and has a little puppet dick. And they don't, they don't pixel it out this time. But um. You know, John Hamm <laughs> is only interesting when he's doing comedy or Don Draper. It's like everything mm-hmm. else, he's just unengaging. Like you, you watch The Town or Beirut or any of these things where he's actually being an actor. Ugh. But, but when he's being funny, he's, he's great. Yeah. So he's, he's the main reason to watch it. Uh, every, it's, it's a trifle. Uh, it's fine. But, you know, again, I'm looking for trifles right now. Um, but the thing I'll, I'll tie it back to is that it's, you know, it's written, at least co-written by Tina Fey. And one of our, our main topic, uh, movies is written by Tina Fey. Mm-hmm. And I want to compare and contrast some things there, ah. which maybe is a good thing to do now because that's all I got for the fresh shit. Fresh goes better. Fresh it's a transition. Yeah, we shift the lanes. He signaled the lane change, and then he changed lanes. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show proper. Uh, it's fetch. Gonna- that is so fetch. We're going to make fetch happen. Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, well, here's the deal. Uh, I have never seen, up until this point, which I've now seen it, but I had never seen Mean Girls. Me ever. neither. Uh, mm-hmm. And Brian hadn't either. Apparently, Eric's seen it like 100 times because in his heart of hearts, he's a 16-year-old girl. Yep. Uh, so, uh, pretty sure this is a movie for 13 year old girls, but yeah, we'll, we'll okay. see. Uh, so I thought, Hey, this will be my bucket list option, uh, to watch mean girls so that I can understand what all these memes are and what all these other people talk about <laughs> all the time. Uh, but every time I think mean girls, I always go back to Heather's cause you know, I'm a Gen Xer and Heather, you know, blah, blah, blah. But Heather's is always one of the most dearest movies to my heart, uh, to this day. And so I thought, well, Will Mean Girls live up to my preconception about how much it will suck? Uh, that's right. well, really. Well, but, but that's the thing. It's like if you try to talk to somebody, you know, a millennial or younger, and say, "Hey, you got to check out Heather's." Yeah, they it's, throw Mean Girls at you, right? It's yeah, like, you've got to see Mean Girls, and it's yeah. like, exactly. Okay, what so, am I missing? Yeah. So now, uh, now I can finally refute them at their own peril. Uh, okay. yeah. So. So Spoilers. I, um, yeah. Hey, yeah, so, you fuckers really need to see Heather's because you'd realize how shit Mean Girls is. But okay, <laughs> well we're we're telegraphing here. But basically, <laughs> uh, I wanted to just do a compare and contrast between Heather's and Mean Girls, and I guess between the two, it's almost what like eighteen years, fourteen years. I don't know, something like that. Uh, between the two, fifteen and, years, and then yeah, and then when I pitched this last week to you guys, uh, Eric did bring up an interesting sidebar, which is uh, the movie Jawbreaker from nineteen ninety nine, and that's sort of oh, a weird, that's that. sort of a weird bridge movie. Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, so that's fine, but uh, but basically, it's so between uh, Heather's and Mean Girls, you've got this weird mutoid uh, sort of stillbirth version of the two. That's so weird to me, uh, and I had never really thought about the flow through. So that's sort of the jibe. But basically, it's more a compare and contrast, uh, Heather's to Mean Girls. So, uh, who wants to tell us what Heather's is about first? I could do that. Okay. So Heather's came out in '89. is written by Daniel Waters. Uh, it is a really dark, surrealist comedy about high school as a metaphor for society. Um, but it, you know, it, it has um, this interesting sort of alternate reality to it. They basically make up their own slang, which gives it a timeless quality. Um, there are three popular girls who happen to all be named Heather. And there's a girl, Veronica, uh, who's a smart kid who, who, uh, sort of joins up with the Heathers and then falls for this 
uh, rebel, trench coat wearing Christian Slater at the peak of his career, which is to say the beginning of his career, um, doing a Jack Nicholson impersonation, basically, um, who is the, the, the loner drifter who comes in, uh, from out of town with his equally psychotic father. And the plot ultimately becomes about how they kill one of the Heathers and then they make it look like a suicide and that makes suicide cool. And so then people are committing suicide and killing other people and making it look like suicides until eventually there's a plot to blow up the school with a bomb and... Well, if Heather jumped off a skyscraper, would you want to jump off a skyscraper? It's basically (laughs) an extension of that. But it's got it's got these these you know these scenes that sort of echo each other that play out in rhyme. Um, it's got lots of it's extremely quotable. It's got really interesting music and cinematography, yeah. and it's 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 kind of a touchstone movie for Gen X, I'd say. Yeah, came out at the end of how'd I do? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, yeah, it's a nasty piece of work. I will. Just be upfront with that, and that's what I love about it so much. Uh, like Daniel Waters has said that it was sort of his refutation of all of the the John Hughes teen movies that had preceded Heather's. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's the line in in Heather's where uh, JD and his dad are having their just ridiculous banter, and Veronica asks, "Do you even like your father?" He's like, "I never really gave it much thought." <laughs> He's like, that's the, and he's like, whereas in John Hughes movies, they're always so obsessed with how their parents are like affecting their lives and this and that. And so that was sort of one of the impetus moments for his script. He just wanted to do something that was like an encapsulation of every teen high school movie, but at the same time, just skewered it to the nth yeah. degree. And I think it succeeds on many levels to that. Uh, this that this aim. is also the star making turn for Winona Ryder. Right. Uh, who would then follow it with Edward Scissorhands and Reality Bites and a whole lot of other things that people really like. But this is where, like, an entire generation of Gen X men fell in deep want of Winona Ryder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is fair. Uh, but ultimately, it's just, it's so quotable. Uh, and it's uneven because it starts out as sort of a, a dark comedy and then it turns into some weird thriller before they bring it back to the comedy, but it's also a satire. Uh, They just do a lot, a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of heavy lifting that uh, doesn't always work, but as a whole, I appreciate it. And I think the fact that it's an indie is in its favor because they had a small budget, so they had to just do a lot with a little. And that means you don't get a bloated pop soundtrack, which works in its favor because now it's not dated to any particular time. Uh, right. Well, not not just that. They use the soundtrack for thematic effect, right? It's thought through. So the movie opens with the Doris Day case, Sarah, Sarah, right? And, Close. And the sort of was it not Doris Day? Who was it? Peggy. It was it was some uh, Sid Straw. Yeah. Apparently they uh, couldn't get the Doris Day version because Doris Day wouldn't use her song for any movie that had swearing in it. Okay. So it fell through. So they had to get a different version. There's this just really sort of, you know, late 50s, early 60s, you know, fakeness to to the way things are, um, you know, and, and the, the way that all of the people are being artificial with each other. And by the end, everything has gone to shit and everything's blown up and all the secrets are revealed and everyone's being more raw and real. And we get Sly and the Family Stone doing K Sera yeah. to close us out. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, structurally, it's just weird. I think Daniel Waters had envisioned this as some sort of like three hour magnum opus, uh, that he wanted Kubrick to do. It's just like, like all these things that you 
read about it after the fact, you're like, that's just insane. Uh, but, you know, it's got all of the, the basics that have shown up in so many other movies since. So you've got like the prolonged cafeteria scene, which also shows up in Mean Girls. You've got the montage the, of people talking to the camera, which also yeah. shows up in Mean Girls. Yeah, you've got the actual cabal of Mean Girls, uh, which is the three main ones, and then the fourth one that comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got like the the leader. Uh, you've got the one that wants the power, and then you've got the dumb one uh, that plays out across yep. Mean Girls. You've got uh, just all kinds of weird stuff that uh, filter in because. Heather's wasn't a big hit, but I think its impact is out there. But it is held in such high esteem that when they tried to do like an anti-social justice warrior reboot of it a few years ago, it just got buried. Nobody would even let it see the light of day because yeah. it was We're bad. Like, what have you done to Heather's? No. Because it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, because it was not good. You know, like there are things people have rebooted that did get embraced. Because yeah, they yeah. were good. This yeah. is not one of them because it was bad. That's all there yeah. is to it. It has nothing to do with politics. It was just shit, shit, shit. Yeah. And well, I think I, yeah. I tire. No, I got to say, I tire of the sort of attack on the SJW culture when, you know, when something's like legitimately bad. Like, like the idea that that's fair. Ghostbusters that's fair. 2018 was actually the funniest, bestest movie ever made if only there weren't so many sexists. No, it was fucking yeah. stupid. Yeah, it was just <laughs> ill-conceived and dumb from the get-go. And yeah. it has nothing to do with the fact that they wasted all of that talent on a turd. I mean, that's... Yeah. It's that's like, fair. you could make uh, a Heather's show, movie, reboot, anything that's good. Yeah. They just didn't. And decided well, that, you know what would be funny is if we made the popular kids the ones who in the 80s would have been the freaks. I guess. Did you yeah, have a I, brain tumor for breakfast? My God. <laughs> Thing is with Heather's, they, it was one. When I say it's of its time, it's really nothing was around like it at its time. So the idea of being uh, poisonously angry and, 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 and in a teen movie was groundbreaking, you know, yeah. to the point that it's just not anymore. Mean Girls, it's it's more like they took the form and they went with it, but they weren't kind. It's like it was yeah, a right. subtle so kind of terrorism. Well, that's, let's, yeah, let's, let's you can tell mean that girls. Heather's we, is written by Heather's. a man and mean girls is written by a woman because the way they address, I guess, uh, uh, aggression is completely different. Yeah. Well, run it down. What tell me, Tell us about Mean Girls, Eric. Okay, Mean Girls is about a girl who has been homeschooled her entire life by her parents when they lived in Africa. At 16, they move to the States, and she goes to high school. So for the first time, she's in a public school and high school and has none of the social cues, knows nothing about how to fit in with all these kids. And, of course, by the time you're in high school in America, you're like a caged rat. I mean, you're just, you've learned all the tricks to this prison that they've shoved you into. And you you find your click. So she's thrown into the middle of this, not knowing what's going on, befriends a couple of the weirdos, uh, is befriended by the popular girl, the, you know, Heather number one, uh, but in this case, uh, um, Regina George. And... And sort of takes it upon herself to do a uh, a zoological study, basically, of yeah. kids in high school and what they're like. Does an undercover operation with her weird friends to be uh, brought into the cool club, into the circle. Mm-hmm. And it turns sideways when she gets addicted to it. She likes being a popular girl, turns into a bitch herself, and ultimately has to redeem herself by making good with... All the people she, you know, rejected was mean to. It's, I think it's a, it's, it's a fun movie. I mean, I like this movie and I did think it was funny. Um, it's, I mean, it's got moments, but yeah, I'm, I'm watching like I it. laughed once. I, oh, I chuckled I, a couple <laughs> times, but yeah, I'm watching it. I'm going, it's just, it's, it's just too nice. It's just too nice. That, and I think, that's where I think the big difference is though with Heather's is that Heather's 
is, you know, like the psychopath's reaction to high school and yeah. Mean Girls is the uh I don't know, the 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 understanding that you can't kill everyone in high school, but yeah. you know, you can well, you can you it. can basically trick people into eating uh high calorie protein bars, making them think that it's going to make them thin for prom. Yeah. I I it's a different, well, I think that's the, why I say one was written by a man and one was written by a woman. Well, well, not only that, but Heather's was written when Daniel Waters was like 24 and he was still working in a video store. So he was hungry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's just, it, that infuses itself into his overall story. Uh, I mean, he just didn't give a shit. I mean, that, that's, Heather's is a movie that just DGAF. I mean, seriously. Whereas mm-hmm. Mean what's, Girls, it's Tina Fey. DGAF? I don't, don't, don't give, give a, a fuck. fuck. Yeah. Oh, okay. Doesn't give a fuck. You gotta get, you gotta get with the lingo, man. We're gonna make Fetch happen. Okay? Uh-huh. Uh, whereas Tina Fey had very... already, yeah, Tina Fey had already been head writer on SNL. She, you know, had success. Uh, and it, Mean Girls is a totally different beast because it's a whole different perspective. She's writing based on a book that was about high school students. So I don't think she's really working from uh, her own uh, editorial standpoint, as as I, I guess. Tell, she's writing point. herself a heroic character. Because yeah, yeah. Tina Fey's teacher is like yeah. the best person you know, and, in, yeah, on, in the whole school. Honestly, yeah, Tim Meadows is the one one actor in the whole thing that every time he spoke it made me laugh he just got some of the best lines in the whole movie uh like when they're at the assembly and he's like i will keep you here all night to get to the bottom of this like we can only keep him here until four legally i will keep you here until four o'clock you know i mean it's like bam but it's just yeah yeah. i i first i watched it with my wife and, and her whole thing was like no one has done anything mean the entire movie. Where are the mean girls? That's my yeah. That's you exactly know? it. Um, but well, they're not. They, they it's not mean action. It's it's passive aggressive. Yeah, that's what makes them such horrible people. But that's yeah. what makes it more realistic. Yeah, but I've I've seen cattier stuff on Disney Channel. Like I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Um. So here's the thing about this that that really was difficult for me to 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 get into this movie is that our protagonist is just unrelatable, right? Like she shows up as a person who is like, I am going to public school for the first time ever in my junior year, having lived in Africa. So like we as an audience just don't have anything, you know, have any way to relate to her. And then she immediately becomes like as bad as if not worse than the antagonist in yeah. fact, by the end of the movie, I felt like the antagonist had a better redemption arc than the protagonist, and I'm just like, eh. I yeah. would put it to you that as you know, a group of middle-aged men, we are as different from girls in high school as a girl who was homeschooled in Africa. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we connect I mean, probably more with her as someone who doesn't have any understanding yeah. of high school than we do with the kids in the high school. So well, I I almost and I'm I'm not even joking. I almost seriously considered asking you guys for the first time we bring a guest on the show, because my <laughs> oldest stepdaughter <laughs> was 14 when this movie came out. Okay, and, prime and age. She was into it. Yeah. Well, but and then that's I realized the thing that would be a pain in the ass. Well, but that's the the deal. I mean, when Heather's came out, we were like 18. I think that's prime mm-hmm. viewing time for Heather's because yeah. it just we it's, were it's that angry. Yeah, that anger uh, totally fucking resonated with us because yes. high school blows, and as boys, totally understood killing people. Yeah, <laughs> but but the other thing, and Brian brought it up earlier. It's like I'm watching this movie called Mean Girls, and I'm going, when exactly are they going to be mean? Oh, they've got a burn book. I mean, all the stuff they did was very PG-13, and I started watching and thinking about all of the other teen movies that I've seen, uh, and. I, I got to rate Mean Girls somewhere near the bottom middle. I mean, I, you know, I immediately started thinking, well, if you want more resonance, even a movie like Easy A has got a lot more punch to it to me mm-hmm. uh, and that sort of thing. And I'm like, so were they, were they setting out to do like a really hard punch for high school movies and that just got neutered? Or was just, just this the, the whole thing from the get-go? I really couldn't tell. Wow. 
You guys really didn't like this movie. Didn't like it at all. I it wasn't just, funny. I just, yeah, I, yeah, I don't Kimmy get versus it. the Reverend was funnier. Like, <laughs> and well, yeah. Right. Well, to me, it was like uh, with, why, because why, it's what are the iconic scenes? Like the clip that ever that everybody exactly. you know that I had seen before was like the the four girls doing the Christmas pageant or whatever. Why? Yeah, that whole scene should have been edited out. It didn't advance the plot. It was what the fuck? <laughs> no, it, yeah. it was. Stuff like the group phone call that I think typifies this. Uh, yeah, Amanda Seyfried is an idiot. You know that's yeah. that stuff's great. Um, I mean, she literally was getting the best part the about the whole movie. Her, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I I guess I like this movie, so it's tough for me to you know sort of yeah. take on all of this huh. on my own. It's, that's yeah, fair. but I think Brian and I maybe just be are too removed from it because obviously the thing came out in like oh five, uh, so. It's been a fair chunk of time that we've gone without ever seeing it. Uh, so I think we're just not part of the cultural conversation around it. That uh, might be part of it. I did, yeah, but I, I mean, I saw it at the same time. And, um, well, you know, I saw, okay, I saw it then, but I was, you know, also still years removed yeah. from high school. Yeah. You know, it's not just, like. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it just doesn't resonate for me because it, it just felt like a series of like sketches on SNL about high school yeah. girls rather than a cohesive thing. And I just didn't relate to any of it, but I watched Heather's and you know, I'm a, I'm a guy, but I still got into the story and I think it's got way more going on. Here's the th- well, I think Heather's does have more to do with, you know, sort of, I don't know, more social commentary in its surreal approach. Yeah. Whereas this is, this is actually how girls are shits in high school. <laughs> I you know, guess maybe is, that's it. That's I think ultimately it's you know again this is treated more realistically. Easy A yeah. is the same way. You know, it's just that yeah. that main character is so likable yeah. because she's so acidic. I yeah. think the thing in this movie is there is a, really isn't anyone who's completely balls to the wall angry. You know, except, that's uh, what makes it difficult to say. Except the, the Lizzie Janice Kaplan. Ian, yeah, Lizzie Kaplan's character. So, yeah. Yeah. And so she's Eric, treated as a side note. Yeah. yeah. Eric, do you think, because here's, here's the thing I'd like to, to, to try to come, come to at the end of this is to just say, hey, if you liked Mean Girls, right, if that was a movie mm-hmm. you were down with, mm-hmm. I really think you'll definitely like Heather's. Am I, am I... Overselling, or is I, it I just a different audience? I think it's a different I, audience. Yeah. I, I think Heather's is almost. You remember the the uh, uh, Regina George's sister who's always in the TV room, like pole yeah. dancing <laughs> as yeah. a twelve like year the, old, like the sister from Donnie Darko, right. almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think this. I think Mean Girls was made for her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, it's, yeah. Like, it's clearly made for for girls who are in middle school at the time of its release. Yeah, yeah. It's for it's a cautionary tale of cliques in high school, right? Whereas yeah. Heather's is for psychotics and sociopaths. Well, like I think, me. Well, mm. the, well, the main difference for me, <laughs> and especially watching Mean Girls uh, th- from start to finish, having just again watching Heather's for like the thousandth time. Uh, like in Heather's, all of like Veronica and all of the the female characters, they all have agency. Uh, whereas I didn't really get the same sense of that from Mean Girls. It's like they were just sort of in that weird circle uh, where they just needed to reinforce each other, but they never really stood out to me as individuals. Whereas in Heather's, they all have very individualistic. Uh, their individuality, and, though, is yeah. in wanting to be in with the clique, which is the unfortunate reality. You know, yeah. Regina George has a lot of agency because she gets to be the one who's in charge. Yeah. It's like they and they do ultimately realize that I, I guess their their arc is to find their own agency because by the end they do. Yeah. But that's kind of that's kind of the conflict. I guess they're I think all just... prisoners of this, this click, not just, you know, including Regina George is a prisoner of this whole way that you have to live in high school that, you know, is, yeah, and, and she yeah. actually Poisonous. has an arc and grows out of it and, right. and moves on. And that, and that's why, you know, I feel like she had a better, nobody gets a comeuppance first of all in the, in right. this really, 
But Gina yeah. George her, gets hit by a bus. Yeah, yeah but she's that is the only one. the catalyst for her transformation into like a normal functioning person. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, everybody else, yeah. like, I'm sorry, our our her our heroine really did not get the kind of consequences that she'd earned, and her her make goods and apologies were weak sauce. And it's like, dude, yeah, no, that well, was. Yeah. Well, I think ultimately just uh, the difference between the two is that I I literally walked away from Mean Girls and I couldn't think of one punchy line of dialogue that really stuck, like, at all. Whereas I walked out of Heather's the first time I saw it and I literally was quoting it for two years. I mean, it just every single line was just like a bullet. Fuck me gently with the chainsaw. Dear diary, my teen angst bullshit has a body count. What is your damage, Heather? And that, I guess, maybe that's where my <laughs> well, that's my, the uh, my bias versus yeah. the realistic there, right? But, I mean, yeah. I'll give you that. Heather's has got you know a a, a laser like focus in its uh, yeah. criticism, you know, in, <laughs> and it is yeah. well written. I well, I I, like, I, uh, I struggle to think of anything else. You know, Daniel Waters has written since that's as good. Oh, uh, you know, Hudson Hawk maybe. Yeah, Batman exactly. returns. But anyway, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I I just quoted it for years and years and years. Uh, and wa- anytime I rewatch it, it all sort of just bubbles back up. It's like a cocoon almost. It's just so strange. Yeah. Uh, but I just I love all of the not so subtle stuff that Waters does, along with the subtle stuff. But you know, like you've got uh, Veronica Sawyer. And her old friend that she ditched for the Heathers is Betty Finn. So you've got Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer, Betty yeah. Veronica. So uh, the un- completely yeah. undeveloped Betty, though. I mean, come on. Yeah, that was well, that was sort of just yeah. being cute. That's sort of just yeah. The the regretful uh, fuck you. Uh, but you know, you get all of that, and then I now that I watch it, I'm like, so what are they doing with the name? So you've got Heather Chandler. Uh, and I love the fact that they kill her with uh, like hole cleaner that just happens to be hanging out in the sink. And for years and years, I'm like, what the fuck is that? But then you start looking, you're like, well, Chandler is just someone who builds boats. I'm like, so did they do that on purpose or is that just a happy hmm. accident? Uh, and you've got Heather Duke, the Shannon Doherty character, and she's the one that wants to take over. So I'm like, did Waters actually plan that stuff out or was it all just some weird just accident that just oh, sort he of probably fell into thought it. it out it's not like he had yeah. to jam this thing out in a hurry like you said yeah. he had a lot of time on his hands yeah uh i am i am mad that they couldn't get the rights to catch her in the rye because that's the book that they wanted heather duke to be reading and that's what they were going to be referencing I, jd salinger doesn't let go of nothing yeah I and mean, that's well, I, yeah if you I, <laughs> yeah, I, I did an adaptation of like one of his stories and i tried for years to get the yeah. jd salinger uh uh um what foundation uh, yeah. uh legal enterprise yeah they would yeah they 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 were like get the fuck out of our lives so yeah. i think in the in the dvd commentary from like 96 for heathers uh they talk about that and i think it was daniel waters uh said yeah it was supposed to be catching the rye uh but jd salinger basically makes his living suing other people for trying to mm-hmm. adapt his work these days so it wasn't going to happen so they ended up doing like moby dick which still works because it's like JD in the end going, we'll just underline random passages. Like, look at this Eskimo. Yeah, that'll get them. It's like, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. And that's after they've already talked about the bell jar, etc., and really rolled in the yeah. suicide thing. So it's, I don't know. It just, it spoke to me. Whereas Mean Girls, I'm watching, I'm like, yeah, it's all right. But uh, <laughs> I, you know, I've seen other high school movies in my adult years that I liked way better. Uh, that, yeah. just, that spoke to me more. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm a jaded psychopathic <laughs> motherfucker. I don't know. But uh, this one did not do it for me. But even, you know, I mean, yeah, this is a very sort of, there are no sharp edges or corners on this movie. You know, there were movies at the time, like 13, that were like raw as hell. Yeah. Um, you know, about the, the realistic middle school or high school experience. Yeah. And this is, this is well, like, this is like a I think ultimately it's a question of what you consider realism. I mean, yeah. it, it, you know, it's because that that's sort of a matter of perspective. But I, mm. I mean, I look at this as 
more real because in reality, no one actually ever does anything like, you know. Well, that that's true. That's yeah. True. I, Punch I, people I'm, in I'm the face, for, set shit on fire. Realism. Yeah. I've just, I, what I'm saying is that if you're trying to do a satire or a criticism, I would expect it to have more bite. Maybe mm. that's what I I'm think, trying to yeah. say. This one, I think, whereas Heather's is basically a giant satire of after school specials. Uh, mean Girls came across as an actual after-school yes, special. I mean, that, that's probably okay, the biggest. That's, that's it. I think that's maybe the difference between the two. Okay. Uh, I think I I prefer a lot more bite to my comedy in general, and I just mean didn't Girls get with it from Sriracha. Mean Girls. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, so you know, and I think that Mean Girls wasn't trying to reinvent the high school movie. It was just trying to be a high school movie. Maybe that's yeah. the other thing. I think that's it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's uh, the that's the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and you can look at the two. Like Heather's did not make a lot of money at all when it came out. It it pretty much tanked, but it became a cultural deal uh, through the love of video. Uh, I think like, it didn't make a lot of money, by the way, not because people didn't like it, but because theater owners were fucking terrified of it. I mean, well, that's no, a movie I mean, about it, kids in high school murdering kids in high school, and and suicide becomes like yeah. a hip thing. It's like nobody wants a piece of that. Well, I mean, but it's also because it came out under the New World Pictures studio, it which came it was out like in the, 1989, which was like the year yeah. of giant, you know, stomping well, giant yeah. movies. But plus it was yeah. New World Pictures and they just I think this was their last actual feature film and they just didn't have any money to spend. I think Denise Denova uh, the producer at one point said, yeah, we wanted to get an ad out. And so I wrote a check <laughs> to new world so that we could get some ad space. And they, <laughs> they politely declined. It's like, they just didn't promote it at all. Uh, whereas mean girls, I mean, it comes out big studio. The thing made like $130 million. I mean, I it's just Heather's really was showing in a lot of places, right? I mean, it's not like no, it was a wide no, release. We, no, we literally we had to, went to Los Arcos and went yeah. downstairs to the tiny in the little basement. one screen in the yeah, entire yeah. valley that was showing this thing. <laughs> right, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, when they had these was distributor like, conferences and they say, here's the stuff we have coming out, I'm pretty sure most of them said, uh, I'll give me eight Batman and uh, yeah. I think I'm going to pass on the teen murder-suicide comedy. Yeah, because <laughs> it's a hard pitch. Well, and they when they set it over to Europe, uh, they renamed it something like Lethal Attraction and they uh, just like did it for like the French movies and such. And I think Michael Lehman had asked, he's like, what do you do? It's like, it's called Heather's. What are you doing? And they just like patted him on the head. It's like, you don't know anything about marketing to Europe. You're okay. Just move along. Uh, oh, that's right. I did want to call yeah. out that Daniel Waters, screenwriter of Heather's, is the brother of the director of Mean Girls. Um, yeah, just just a bit of trivia. Uh, so there's a yeah. connection, and mm-hmm. yeah, he's and Mark Waters is all previously uh, to Mean Girls. He had done the Freaky Friday reboot with Lindsay Lohan, uh, so that kind of gives you an idea of the ooze that he operates in. Okay, uh, there's my big takeaway <laughs> and for a movie that launches the careers of quite a few big actresses. It it is sad what happened to Lindsay Lohan. Like she was. You know, she was holding yeah. the screen and doing mm-hmm. a great job, and boy, she was the anchor. She, she was the name. Well, and she had into garbage. Well, she, she had tried out for the role of Regina uh, until ultimately she got cast as Katie because the producer just felt she had more of that vibe, and I think she ultimately was okay with that because she was concerned how she would be perceived as a bitch if she played Regina. So there's like all this weird like behind the scenes stuff but i'm like uh, ultimately i watch any lindsay lohan movie and i'm like that's lindsay lohan i just don't get her as an actress yeah. so that was sort of a weak link but you I, got it has like, less to do this is just my opinion it has that has less i agree but it's more because she got too much headline space in her life yeah and so well, later that's yeah, how i she, know her yeah, like de niro in the 70s would just just stay away from publicity because he knew it would screw up his actual day job. Yeah. And I think you can kind of see that with Lindsay Lohan. If she had kept under the radar, if nobody knew who she was, if she hadn't yeah. she is if like 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 what's the one um oh I can never remember that Disney film where she plays twins uh Parent Trap. Trap. Parent Trap, she for her age, she's fucking amazing. 
Yeah, and yeah. she's good in, no, me, in Mean Girls, and then she's yeah. just, you know... She's Lindsay you know, Lohan. You can't get yeah, away from you know, it. They, they thought they had the new Jodie Foster on their hands, and they did not. Yeah. 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 Well, that's the, that's the I guess, the thing that's similar between the two movies uh, is the way the casting sort of parlayed into other stuff. Like, Heather's definitely a springboard for Winona Ryder, because when she filmed oh, Heather's, yeah. Beetlejuice had not yet come out. Uh, so that didn't really propulse her into the stratosphere at that point. So they were sort of, she just has like, a very limited palette when on a yeah. writer, uh, I mean, but she's, by the time we get around very to girl good. interrupted, you can see just how yeah. bad things yeah. are for this <laughs> poor woman, but she's very good in Heather's. But then you also have, uh, the other like actresses that never really went anywhere. I mean, out of Heather's, you can do Winona Ryder, Shannon Doherty and, uh, Christian Slater, Christian Slater, mm. all sort of, got a spring off of that. Whereas Mean Girls, I mean, it's not only Lindsay Lohan, but you've got Rachel McAdams. Amanda Seyfried. Amanda Seyfried. Uh, that one I guess the, Fox the girlfriend. News bitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's Clueless. <laughs> oh, oh, it is? Oh. <laughs> yeah. The third, the third uh, plastic. The third one is the- a lot the, of voice work, actually. Yeah. But. She was the, the, the little sister in uh, Party of Five. That's where she started. That's okay. right. That's right. Uh, so you get all of that like tangential stuff, and, and then and, like Lizzie Kaplan and etc. Yeah, Lizzie Kaplan who went to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and yeah. um, who was the 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 guy that they were fighting over? Is is he not in stuff now? He's oh, no, no. He I looks like the guy uh, that they cast as in Superman for Superman Returns, but he's he actually like the guy in a Stranger Things host for like a Food Channel show okay. or two. Well, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And you I think it? that, but the main the main difference between the two is that I think ultimately Heather's has a more lasting impact because people that watch movies know it, and that sort of infiltrates other stuff down the line. Where I think Meme Girls is it's a it's a pop confection and it's got some cachet, uh, but I think over time it's not going to hold the same sway. That's just my I feeling. think I think Heather's is the superior film for forty to fifty year old men. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're a I will give you that old man, exactly. Yes, you could listen yes, to so our I podcast. Can see it. Oh, fuck me gently with a chainsaw. You could, if you're a 40, 50 year old man, you should subscribe to the podcast and 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 share it with your friends. Uh, you should you check us out on you? Twitter because <laughs> we're at Mag Huge on Twitter, and that's also our website m a g h u g e dot com. Uh, that's got all of our old episodes, just like the the. You know, subscribe to the podcast does. It's also got links to our Instagram, our Facebook, and uh, you can email us at magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Come back next week for more running, running, running from the depression. 